So I know that some people are talking about uh, being unable to process many payments, but like in the early internet days, nobody would have thought that people would be able to stream video because it would have been possible in a modem. But I don't think we'll be on the modem in 10 years. In Your Element is a show dedicated to helping you find your element. Every episode will be showcasing an idea, a story, or an interesting person who's living in their element with the hopes of helping you find your own. Being in your element can mean many things. To some, it's a state of peak flow where you're performing at your best, are happy and content with life, and are doing interesting things which are worthwhile talking about. The idea is to uncover stories of people who are living in their element and share wisdom on what it takes for others to also find their own. My guest today is Kino Budi. Kino is obsessed with blockchain and cryptocurrencies, and for the past few years, he's been a Solidity developer, working on B2B products and Layer 2 products for LeapDAO, founded Strudel.Finance, and now is a core developer at SushiSwap, sushi.com. He's also a dear friend that I've known for many years now, and I'm really excited to have on the show. So Kino, how are we doing? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome. Well, you know... I've got so many questions that I'd love to sort of dive into around the work you've been doing recently in blockchain and cryptocurrency. But to be honest, there's something that's way more important that I just want to get off my plate first. And that is, how does one make great tea? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to, to start off with, uh, you need to go to a nice Chinese shop, get, get some nice leaves and then put some love in, a bit of hot water. Uh, and be surrounded by friends and uh, then you'll have something nice i totally agree i remember the last time i came to visit um you you kind of you kind of walked me through this entire uh tea ceremony and it was um we had we had um it was really good green tea but um we had you had like these kind of like um i don't know what to call them but they weren't like proper mugs they were Mm-hmm. Um, kind of almost small bowls and you, you kind of heated the temperature to a certain amount and you weighed like the leaves um, and it was quite it was quite quite special definitely the the you know the fanciest uh, tea that I've probably ever had <laughs> I, I got better in the meantime so uh, mm-hmm. I learned it's more about you know feeling what the rare demand of tea is and what the temperature should be then get really red weighing something off and doing it a thousand times so uh, yeah totally totally that really brings me back to our our sort of early days in university where we'd um i'd come over to visit your place and we'd have like marcher like late in the evenings ah those were good times i really miss that matcha is life matcha is life um that reminds me actually guess what i'm drinking now Oh, nice. Yeah, it's um, it's not like probably you know the premium grade stuff you'd probably recommend, but it's good. I like it. I like it. Um, no, I, the important thing is that that you like it. It doesn't really matter what it costs or uh, <laughs> how fancy it's supposed to be. True, true. Um, there's a there's a really great store actually uh, a couple of minutes down from where I live called Planet Organic, and they sell a nice assortment of different matcha teas. And also, I really enjoy uh, not just I'm also you know huge huge into coffee myself. Yeah, and they have lots of really extravagant kinds of coffee, lots of different uh, like they've got mushroom coffee. I'm not sure if you've ever tried that before, but 
it's quite oh, nice. Wow. Um, it's like regular coffee, but they add in um, sort of adaptogenic mushrooms. So they add in stuff like reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps. And um, they're supposed to sort of help you mellow out a little bit more or give you a bit more energy. These aren't like psychedelics, you know, like actual shrooms yeah. that not going to sort of trip you up. Uh, but I really like, I really in, in, enjoy those because it kind of, uh, it's it's a it's a much lighter type of coffee. And I really like that too. So, yeah. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way first because I know you love your tea and I've been having this on my mind as well. Uh, I really miss our you know, our teas and chats. Uh, so hopefully sometime soon we'll be able to do that again because that's something I really, I really enjoyed. Um, so. I'll actually probably be traveling now. So like uh, le- leaving Germany and be like uh, skipping, skipping countries every, every two months uh, yeah. to explore a bit more of Europe and the world eventually. Wow. That is awesome. And that, you know, that is very likely because uh, very likely enabled by the kind of work that you're doing now right which i guess is an awesome segue into the topic so why don't you give the listeners a bit of insight into what you're up to right now and your work with uh, sushi swap yeah so what i do is is, um i'm a solidity developer i develop smart contracts and uh that that seems like an abstract topic but um um, through smart contracts on Ethereum and uh, decentralized finance uh, on on that chain is enabled. And what decentralized finance essentially means it uh, allows uh, retail users to interact with smart contracts through Simulize UIs and um, do all all kinds of uh, things that in traditional finance you need intermediaries for. For example, exchange, but also uh, things like loans and uh, um, more complicated products. Uh, there are some uh, insurance systems uh, out in the way. And uh, what I do there is um, I try to think of uh, new ideas. Um, I've, I, over the last few months, I've worked on a product uh, which enabled uh, risk-isolated lending um, against cryptocurrency pairs. And for sure, at the moment, uh, most, of the, most of these cryptocurrencies um, are very isolated from um from uh the physical world and kind of live in its own sphere but uh, the tools are there and, and what i would assume to happen is in the future of, of more traditional companies uh, um going into the sphere and uh, interacting with it more that's awesome and you know something i'd love to get your your thoughts on is I remember a couple of years ago when we were in university together, you know, you were really breeding that interest in blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and whatnot. And uh, what I find really interesting is that you, you stuck with it all of, all of these years. And I'd love to get your perspective on what you feel has changed since then, about four to five years ago, and also what excites you about it and what keeps you so interested in, in the field, um, even, you know, through these peaks and troughs of hype and then kind of, you know, boredom and what, what has kind of kept you, kept you interested for, for all these years? Uh, I, there, there are a couple of things which interest me about blockchain. I mean, in the end, I found the idea pretty revolutionary that you can send money in a peer-to-peer manner. 
and don't need anyone else. And I found that to be a very cool concept, regardless of any value proposition. And that's um, so I read about Bitcoin very early on and I just like tried to keep up and uh, learn more about the tech. And then when we were in uni together, we had this um, project startup idea together where we uh, wanted to to match uh, coffee places with orders, and we we had a problem that we, we, had, we had a problem that we couldn't couldn't quite figure out um, how to handle financial transactions because we would always have to go through intermediaries, and uh, it would also always cost a ton of money uh, for each transaction, and it was one of the reasons why it would make it kind of infeasible. Um, and, and and these experiences are what like kind kind of kept me trying to to stay on. And I feel like with every interest, it's um, there are ups and downs. Like one month you're more interest, one month you're less, and uh, sometimes you take a break. But um, I always try to like stay updated, and tr- and I always like try to keep pushing my way into it, and like trying to find an opening, like some way I could get paid first to like do something in it well first step is probably like do something yourself then find somebody who's willing to pay you to do something in that niche and then the last step is kind of like getting for me that at least that was the last step like getting a job in that field and getting paid full time to do this that is that is that is awesome and oh my gosh you know the memories that you've just brought to mind about that uh that startup that we tried uh getting off the ground a couple of years ago for those of you who don't know what this is uh what Kino is talking about is uh this this idea we had for trying exactly as he mentioned to connect uh coffee outlets with people who wanted to come in and sort of pick it up or to go and we called it coffee to me uh, mostly because I think we signed up for that GitHub student package and we realized that we got like these .me domains for free. And it kind of, we kind of put two and two together. Oh, let's do a startup about like coffee and we have this .me domain. Let's, let's do that. And it was, it was, it was such a fun experience. And we learned a lot, not just about kind of what it takes to try to pursue an idea like that, but also about like development and uh, also why you know, it's so difficult to set up something like that uh, because of the very reasons you pointed out. Um, the 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 financial aspect was was not so straightforward, and who knows? Had we been a little more versed in cryptocurrencies back then, who knows where, where that could have gone? Um, but that's that really that really brings me back. And now, you know, to see where you are working at SushiSwap as one of the core devs, I think it's such an interesting interesting story. And I'd love to learn more about your journey up until that point. And I know from our past conversations that you've been involved in a number of projects, but um, why don't you give a bit of an overview as to the different kinds of uh, projects that you've been involved in up until this point and what that was like for you? Well, um, so, so I, I think the, the first point, uh, my, like the start of my my uh, working in crypto was when I came back to Berlin um, from from a year in the UK. Um, I I threw myself into the meetup scene and I went to as many cryptocurrency meetups I could and tried to find people I could learn from. And I ended up at this 
weird company which was very marketing focused and i realized and and they had to make the experience that they had marketing knowledge but no technical knowledge to back it up and they promised a lot of things but actually couldn't teach me very much on that end and uh, i didn't really get paid and it was uh, it was more like a tax avoidancy tactic than than anything else, but it taught me a lot of things, like uh, what to look out for um, when trying when when applying somewhere, and like what kind of company you want to search out for. And especially in these early days, like a lot of companies in the cryptocurrency field were were either complete scams, um, marketing based. And kind of want to do something and something, and then there was like the very small minority of like technical people um, wanted to change something. So I went out of that. Um, I kind of fell off the ball of cryptocurrencies again, and then um, while while familiarizing myself more with like the um, the aspects of actually writing smart contracts, uh, learning more about um, the transaction models of work on on Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then. Um, like my my second stage um, started off when I went to a hackathon um, focused on cryptocurrencies. I met some amazing people uh, randomly, and uh, and um, they they worked at this um, this collective called LeapDAO, uh, which had the idea of um, giving tasks and paying out tasks in the form of bounties, um, which proved like to be like a very easy opening way into into uh, working on cryptocurrency projects because you could just fill out one bounty and um, and get your work get paid for that and uh, and uh, through like um, pair programming with them I I learned an incredible amount and I'm, I'm truly grateful um, for the time I had there and. Uh, so that went on um, for some time, and then um, with one of uh, one of my coworkers there, uh, we wanted we just felt like uh, we wanted to do something ourselves last summer, and uh, so came up with an idea and just uh, went for it, uh, which was uh, Strudel Finance, and the idea was um, it's like slightly absurd but technically interesting. Uh, the idea was to burn bitcoins um, and then bring a proof of burning those bitcoins and the term of like as a Merkle proof on onto the Ethereum blockchain and uh, us giving uh, us um, by uh, having um, having a light client of the Bitcoin blockchain on Ethereum being able to uh, confirm that you did so, giving you an equivalent token. Um, and uh, through like launching this project on their, on, on our own, and, and uh, we learned a lot about how token economics work, and uh, we had a lot of interactions with end users, and uh, kind of had to learn the hard way how communication works, and how custom support can be, and uh, and by having a project, you also get like a lot of relations to other projects and. Uh, one of these projects we were in contact with uh, was was sushi swap because uh, as a as a um, cryptocurrency project you kind of want to allow your token to be traded and like and uh, some years before the only ways for um, 
uh, tokens to be traded was on centralized exchanges, but uh, um, decentralized exchanges allow anyone to list them, uh, list, uh, list tokens. Um, and uh, the first big one of these was Uniswap and SushiSwap is, is a fork of that. And um, we, uh, we just uh, came along to them and uh, what is very nice about Parita, it's it's a community-led project and has the idea of uh, doing everything through governance. It allows a very, very easy entryway. Um, and um, through talking with them, I, I just realized very quickly that we had a lot of ideas in common and uh, common goals in common. And so instead of continuing to work on my own projects, I want... I started off of just helping them out, but then just kind of got, got absorbed into it um, until I was working on it full time and I got paid to work on it full time. And then we kind of made it official and uh, I stayed on. Wow. That's such an interesting picture that you just, uh, you just painted there. I I love that last part, especially where you mentioned that you just kind of got sort of, sort of sucked into it, I guess. And I think that's interesting because I've had a couple of people on, on the show earlier that, and we've spoken about how there's something special about working on something with other people as part of like a team and a quote that really comes to mind. And I, I'd heard this a while ago, but I realized it's actually an African proverb, which is really interesting. And it goes like this. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I think that's so true for so many different aspects of life, you know, whether you're trying to build something that you care about or you're passionate about a certain cause, like doing that with other people who share the same energy, it's an amazing thing. And I can totally see why, you know, especially now you're really feeling that you're in your element, not just because you're working on something you're passionate about, but also because you're surrounded by a lot of people that also share the same beliefs and are really passionate about that as well. And you're just kind of feeding off each other's energy. And I think that's, that's awesome. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to get your thoughts on was you mentioned how SushiSwap is a fork of Uniswap, you know, the first decentralized exchange. Can you explain what exactly a decentralized exchange is and why this might differ from a normal centralized exchange and what the benefits might be? Uh, so Uniswap isn't the first of a decentralized exchange, uh, but um, like like how, how do Uniswap and SushiSwap works is that they're automated market makers. So uh, normal exchanges uh, use uh, what's called an order book uh, to match buy and sell orders. And uh, through the last order being executed, whether it was a buy or a sell, uh, you have the current market price. And uh, automated market makers um, are different in the way that um, people um, provide liquidity uh, for uh, both assets that are traded uh, as a pair. For example, um, you might have one simple example with fiat currencies would be you'd have USD and uh, US dollars and you have euros. And uh, the exchange rate might, might be uh, one euro is equal to 1.3 US dollars and somebody provides $100 of uh, 100 euros and $130 and puts that into a pot. And then others can 
interact with this uh, pot of money um, by uh, putting in one of the two assets. So um, you can then put in one euro and take slightly less than uh, $1.3 out. And by doing so, you through, through a formula, you change the price of that pool because then the assets in there are different. Um, and you pay like a small fee to, to those that uh, provided the liquidity. And um, that concept has um, some advantages because you can, because you have the liquidity in one place at a certain price, you can uh, calculate exactly how much it will cost to do a certain trade of a certain size. And um, you can also do larger trades in, in one transaction. Uh, because you have normally have like a larger amount of liquidity than you'd have on an order book. And one of the things I'd love to to ask you is you've explained um, you know at a kind of high level how how these exchanges work. And what I'd what I'd love to get your thoughts on is what is it that um, in your eyes sets SushiSwap away from uh, apart from some of the other decentralized exchanges. And one of the reasons that you feel quite passionate about this product in particular? So I think what what is very interesting about SushiSwap is this community aspect, that it's not a company that did it, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's we, we care about the token holders and uh, the token holders vote in the end on what we, what we do. And if they feel discontent with what we do, they can always bring up a vote and tell us to do otherwise, and we will do so. And um, we have we kind of have the freedom to do and develop what we what we feel passionate about within that system. So we've been like working on some kind of different financial products, and uh, because we thought it would be cool to do so, and we got the resources and uh, manpower um, to just do it and get it done and get it out there. And then we have a community who's passionate about testing it and giving us feedback and uh, feels, has some, might have some financial interest in it, but it's also emotionally invested in, in the success of the project. And that's something very cool for me as a software developer that um, I know if I bring out a product, there will be thousands of users the next day telling me, what's great, what sucked, and um, I can iterate on it. I love that. Getting that instant feedback must be such a gratifying feeling. You yeah. know, I think one of the the tough things about starting something from scratch is you have this perception of what you think is a great idea, but there's takes it takes time for that to reach a critical mass of, of, of users that can actually give you feedback and validate that assumption. But being part of a project which already has a user base that are very passionate and are eager to give feedback like that must be an amazing feeling because as you mentioned you can just sort of you know put something out there get some feedback and then iterate correct and then move on and i think especially given the way that um this 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 type of setup is 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 governed as you mentioned uh and and the the tight community probably allows you to move quite quickly as well that's another really interesting thing that I find about this this project and a lot of similar um, similar organizations and projects in the crypto space and and, and the blockchain world is is how they they are governed 
And I would love for you to paint a bit of a picture as to what the governance process looks like, because I know you've mentioned that there's a quite an interesting hiring process in, in SushiSwap. Um, and, uh, you know, you even shared some details as to as to your sort of hiring process and, and what that looks like. Why don't you paint a bit of a picture as to what it's like um, to um, to to sort of uh, make decisions at SushiSwap and, and how you decide to bring new people on board and what that looks like? Yeah, so um, one thing to explain is that there are um, uh, token holders of a, of a token called Sushi that uh, kind of decides um, on, on the, uh, and Sushi acts as a governance token. Basically, if you have a percentage of that, uh, you can make decisions. And uh, we have a voting tool, um, which allows you to uh, put up a proposal if you have a certain amount of voting power and uh, allow you to uh, vote on it. And uh, in the past, um, in in terms of hirings, what we did is that um, um, new people to be hired just put up a proposal on the forum and then um, it was put to a vote. And if it passed, that person got hired. That was it. Um, it changed slightly because like scaling up an organization, um, this system becomes a bit tiresome for the, the users. Like you don't want to fatigue the, the people uh, like um, to, to vote too often. So now um, the, the CEO, uh, uh, like the core team might bring, some, bring, bring somebody forward we think would fit with our organization. And then um, the core team and the CEO makes makes a call on somebody being hired and and uh, voters can still always bring up a proposal if they're unhappy with something um, but we uh, try to keep more of the operational decisions away from the user base mm, i think that makes a lot of sense because something that came to mind for me was i think consensus is a really fascinating topic and i think there are a lot of echoes of the way society, you know, decides to, you know, organize and and um, decide who to elect, you know, in power through democracy and, and whatnot. But there is also a downside to that. And um, I think it can be difficult to maintain a sense of direction if there are too many inputs. And that's something I was really curious about was how a project like this can maintain a direction and a vision while also maintaining consensus because i think that sometimes those two can be at odds if there you know perhaps is too much um too much different different inputs different opinions like they say you know um it's never a great idea to try and design something by committee because it ends up looking like trash <laughs> so that's really interesting that you painted some 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 really interesting interesting details there now one of the things that I would love to get your input on is we've seen over the past couple of months, um, particularly at the tail end of 2020, that once again, crypto has absolutely exploded. There is tons of hype. The markets are, you know, growing like absolute, you know, fire. And it's, you know, every time it's the biggest, you know, uh, growth spike in crypto ever, and this has happened a couple of times in the past. I, you know, most vividly, I remember a couple of years ago in 2017, and then I think in 2018, um, it kind of happened again. Um, 
what what is it in your eyes that has sparked this latest you know hype wave in in crypto i mean it's it's always hard to to understand exactly why financial movements happen i think one part is is people being being at home being able to mm, spend the time on on understanding this topic and like kind of getting interested in it um also i mean you've seen or we've seen more mm, institutions looking at cryptocurrencies um uh which is interesting and i mean it's obviously good for companies um if or like our organizations if they hold cryptocurrencies that they're worth more because it gives you more runway to to develop uh but on the other hand i i think like the immediate financial value isn't super important it's like kind of more important how we change the landscape of finance in the next 5 10 15 20 years mm, i think uh, yeah that that's that's super interesting and you know for, for me one of the reasons i think um and this is a very sort of high level you know bird's eye gut feeling type of thing but i think one of the things that could have contributed to that and it leads me into what you just you just mentioned at the tail end of your your comment there was that i i think that one of the reasons why crypto at this point is seeing a lot of interest is because i think it's more accessible than ever and we're seeing so many different companies and services that are making it really easy to gain access to crypto to buy crypto to um to uh, sort of exchange it you know companies like paypal allowing you to buy um crypto revolut as well and it really is bringing it into the the mainstream and for me at least i think that is really exciting because i think one of the reasons why crypto has seen these peaks and troughs is because there's a lot of interest that goes in at first but maybe perhaps um it doesn't reach that critical mass so that it sort of trickles into the mainstream so to speak um and i think having you know all of these tools and services that are making it more accessible is going to help keep it around for longer um and i would love your insight into what that might look like over the next couple of years do you think people are going to be trusting this more they're going to be um you know buying more assets buying more crypto because they see it as a sort of digital gold or do you think that this will actually become some alternative means of payment like how do you think this might be used in the next couple of years i mean there like there are a lot of interesting developments um over the last years uh, like one thing i find very interesting as well apart from um you know like people see like this like immense price spikes in like bitcoin and ethereum but what has also been happening like the usage has grown a lot and also the usage of stable coins so for example like us dollars as a represented as a token on top of ethereum has spiked a lot in usage so even if you don't care about you don't want to expose yourself to the higher volatility of uh, bitcoin and ethereum like you can buy something Valued in US dollars and and still like use kind of blockchain technology and there are advantages to that. For example, two weeks ago my bank account got frozen 
and all of my direct debits were frozen. All of my bank transfers were frozen. And um, that was that was all of my like fiat money in there. And I couldn't I couldn't have paid my rent if I wouldn't have had cryptocurrencies I could have like used to to send out my transfers. Um, and I feel like this kind of ownership of over like your own personal finance is something you just don't have with banks. And it's something which is interesting. Like the other part is that which I find interesting is like the recent spike of uh, non-fungible tokens and uh, artists selling digital arts, digital music uh, to collectors directly. Uh, we've been seeing larger organizations like the NBA uh, um, creating uh, collectible games um, using blockchain technology. And um, actually a large amount of users and uh, doing uh, lower value transactions. We've seen a lot of, I guess, pressure on the financial system, the um, the centralized financial institutions over the past couple of months as the whole world has been dealing with this this pandemic with, with COVID and, and whatnot. And with that has also come a lot of a lot of inflation as a lot of governments are, you know, trying to uh, patch up economies with stimulus packages, with quantitative easing. And do you think that perhaps some of these activities are contributing to some of the um, some of the draw to crypto? I think the speed of progress is what's kind of encouraging to me. Like I, I know, like also alone on the development side, the development tooling has gotten much much better over the last years and, and also the uh, the kind of progress being made every day is is faster i feel like it's picking up steam and um we have we have some bandwidth problems now just like the internet had in its first days um so i so i know that some people are talking about uh, being unable to process most bigger boxes being unable to process many payments but uh just like in the early internet days, people were concerned about people. Nobody would have thought that people would be able to stream video because it wouldn't have been possible in a modem. But I don't think we'll be on the modem in 10 years. We won't be on such low um, throughput possibilities. So I think it, I, I hope it will um, revolutionize finance and get away with many of the financial institutions. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I love that analogy you used that, you know, crypto and, and blockchain in a lot of ways is like at, you know, it, it's like it's like at the modem stage, like where the internet was. And, you know, who knows what, what would happen once we develop the equivalent of fiber optic for, for crypto, right? Like when it gets to that point, what are we going to be seeing? You know, what kind of new possibilities are going to be enabled that maybe we just can't even think of at the moment, right? Um, and I think that's, 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 that's really fascinating. It's going to open up a whole world of, of possibility. So one thing I'd love to get into, and I'm going to sort of uh, change the topic slightly here, is you mentioned this earlier on that there is a growing interest in NFTs. And this is something I did a very little bit of reading about, but I also wanted to sort of stop myself because I wanted to hear from you kind of your thoughts and opinions on NFT. But before we get into that, why don't you explain um, sort of 
what your understanding of NFTs are and, and why they are um, getting so popular at the moment. I'll probably be crushed for this explanation by someone <laughs> uh, more knowledgeable here. But uh, the idea is that um, fungible tokens um, would be something like US dollars. And uh, you, can, you can easily devise them and they're all the same. And uh, non-fungible tokens are uh, items uh, such such as a painting uh, with like one Picasso painting being different than the next and uh, kind of like, the idea being that there's one original Picasso painting and uh, there might be a photocopy of it, which kind of looks the same, but is is not the same because it's not authentic. And you have, you have kind of a feeling of authenticity here, um, with uh, which is even in, more interesting with uh, digital artwork uh, where the actual file is accessible to ev- everyone and kind of the... The artist gives it to the world, but only one person owns it. And and this kind of ownership is being done by linking the file to um, to a token, which is has been created by the original creator of that artwork. And um, yeah, I think the the sudden rise of like value and usage of that is that. There had been so I think one part is that uh, that the crypto markets took up and kind of like trading took up in general. Uh, on the other hand, you have more more digital artists that there were they had a, like a high high followership and but didn't really have any ways of monetizing uh, what they were doing. And uh, and quickly found NFTs as a way to monetize um, their their talent, mm. and uh, so kind of like this um, put together along with very easy user interfaces, um, which allows creators to just click through it, and, and uh, the magic kind of happening between behind the scenes, uh, having fiat gateways where you can buy NFTs with a credit card um, uh, kind of uh, leaked, led to this price spike. It's, it is a bit scary if you have editions of, of an artist being traded at, at hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but I mean, the, the art market is crazy as well. Um, so I, I feel like it's hard to say whether whether that value is profounded or not. And that somebody is willing to, pay as much i guess it is yeah that is that is so interesting and one thing that i've been trying to wrap my head around is this concept of ownership of a digital file that can still be replicated uh Mm. and and sort of distributed and i think it's really interesting because also what this could potentially mean for the the industry of particularly independent artists i think could be could be huge we've seen over the last couple of years that with our move from um you know to streaming services people are less likely or less inclined to buy like albums and to buy individual tracks and i think that a lot of artists has have seen uh, you know their 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 livelihoods hurt 
because of that, a lot of artists have, have sort of shifted their, their business models to doing more sort of concerts, more live performances, tried to merchandise through other means to make up for that. And I think this is a real interesting tool that they could have in their arsenal to help support themselves and not have to uh, potentially compromise and, um, you know, sign themselves with labels or, or do deals that they're not, you know, particularly a fan of. And I think that's that's really interesting. I think like what I like about NFT is that it also allows for a lot of new creativity like uh, and, and new models, like you could, some are putting revenue sharings on NFT that they might sell, um, have had, sell a hundred NFTs and that each NFT stands for 1% of the profits, for example, in Melbourne, and kind of fundraise money that way, but also give back to your fans who support you in doing so. Um, what I found really amazing was, was a, was an artwork by, by an artist called Beeple that uh, who did an artwork that changed um, depending on the result of the US election. Um, I think that, that that was pretty cool. Wow. When you say Beeple, is this the same person who makes those really cool animated videos that we see online? Um, yeah. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. It's like... Uh, I think he, he, did, he did quite a few animations for the, I think, for the Super Bowl and uh, for quite a number of artists. And that's awesome. It's really inspiring to see how um, how artists are really making use of this. I think another example that I came across was uh, Justin Mallow, who makes uh, these um, these really cool pieces of artwork called facets, which you would have probably seen uh, when you look up like cool um digital artwork on google or you go onto a website which has desktop backgrounds you'll see a lot of these there and he's embracing nfts as well and a bunch of other artists that that i really enjoy another one is is uh 20 sil who makes some awesome music and he's very famous um especially because he's used in a bunch of um videos online from content creators like mkbhd and they're also embracing NFTs, which I think is, which I think is awesome. So, so yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. So, Kino, uh, we're coming up to the the top of the hour now, and it's been such an interesting conversation, and just actually just a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been such an interesting and, and enjoyable chat with you. Um, before we wrap up, I'm curious uh, if you had one piece of advice that you would give yourself those four years ago when you were getting into into crypto what would that be ah oh, <laughs> hindsight is always good right <laughs> i i i guess i probably release something sooner just do something and put it out to the world because that's always the best thing you could do uh, and get some feedback and then do it as though, like do it again as often as needed until you succeed. Mm-hmm. I think that's some really good advice and it speaks uh, quite, quite a lot about what you're doing right now with this constant, you know, iteration and feedback process that you involved in in SushiSwap. So awesome stuff. All right, so that was it for today's show. 
if anyone is interested in learning more about Kino and what he does and some of the products that, you know, Kino's involved in, how how would they be able to do that? Where can they learn more about you, Kino? Um, I, I have a Twitter account. I monitor daily. Try to try to not monitor it too often. Uh, but I'm very reachable during that. I'm, I'm very active in our Discord, if, if that's more of your fancy. Um, I guess I can give you all of that. And um, if anyone wants to reach me there, I'm very happy for any contact. Awesome. I'll make sure to add those links in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And also, I'll put some links to some of the products that Kino's been involved in, including SushiSwap and uh, Strudel Finance as well. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the show. In Your Element is proudly brought to you by a single dude from his London apartment. This show does not have social media. I'm not going to ask that you leave a rating or a follow. Instead, I'd love to see you coming back just because you're seeking something different, are genuinely curious, and are looking for ways to really find and live in your element, just as I am. As always, keep being you, keep crushing life, and keep finding your element. I'll see you in the next one.